For years, the American public has been victimized by the so-called cinematic geniuses, telling us time and again to see inferior movies, leaving us bitter and lost with no return. But no more! This travesty of justice cannot and will not continue, because we now have the Cinema Judge! Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regular judge heads out there who tune in for every episode, whether it's a blockbuster, independent film, or anything in between, thank you so much. But now if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. And if you do like it, please tell a friend, share it, five-star it, whatever makes you feel comfortable, I'd really appreciate it. But if you don't know what the show is about, let me give you a brief synopsis. I love movies, and I love sharing movies. This is what I consider our movie oasis, a place for you and me just to talk movies. Because every one of you out there, you have crazy lives, busy, you're full of stress, and I don't want any of that here. I'm not here to yell at Hollywood, complain about this, or yell at actors. That's not our jam. I just want to learn about movies and share it with you. Because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. There's no way on earth that I would tell you not to see a movie. I might tell you I like it, but who am I to tell you not to see a movie? That's ridiculous. So that's what I do. I collect the evidence. The studio, they send me interviews, on-the-set footage, scenes, everything that you might need to get information or what they want to give to you. I try to make one cohesive infomercial. I collect the facts and I give everything to you. And you make up your own mind. That's what the show is, show is all about. Just escape from everything else. And just sit down and say, what are the facts? Or what do they want me to think this movie's about? Or what have you? I'm not going to get in the way. I, I'm Like I said, I'm the judge. You are the jury. You decide if this movie is a success, not a success. Or even if you want to bother watching it. That's what we do here at the Cinema Judge. Now approaching the bench today, we have Pause of Fury. The Legend of Hank. Let me just give you a brief synopsis here. Hank, a lovable dog with a head full of dreams about becoming a samurai, sets off in search of his destiny. Now, this movie deals with, you know, kind of a lot of issues, if you will, about acceptance, you know, accepting people in and giving people a shot. Now, here's a trailer for Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Why do you want to be a samurai? I lived in a bad part of town full of bad dogs. Everybody always picked on me. I thought if I could be a samurai, it would change everything. Sounds like you need a mentor. Perhaps a once great samurai who has fallen on hard times and maybe could use some help himself. But where could I find one? What? Oh, get out of here! Who even made that? It's you! Don't believe everything you read. Don't worry, Hank. You have to do something. You're under arrest. You wanted to be a samurai. Fun, isn't it? Go get him. When you come up on that lick, make sure you cut him in. I've gotta make this samurai thing work. Uh-huh. Hey, this is the training montage, isn't it? Sometimes you need a friend. No fun to see you win. Don't forget to land on your feet. Gonna miss. Focusing on me, wait from tell I can We've got to wipe that town off the map. Send a tweet to assemble the troops. Who 
knew an evil army could go through so many beams? Legend of Hank. Time to finish this. This might take a while. Now, up first, we're going to hear from the star of this movie, Michael Sarah. Now, you know him from a ton of comedies. I'm just going to name a couple off the top of my head. Super bad. Scott Pilgrim versus the World in Juno. I mean, I, I could go on for quite a while. This guy has one solid, long career. Now, in this interview, he's going to talk about the character and a little bit more about the story. I'm Michael Sarah. I play Hank in Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Hank is a dog, and he's a very good dog. And uh, he dreams of being helpful, really, and his big dream is to be a samurai. And um, he doesn't really have any qualifications, but that's been his dream ever since he was a young puppy, and a samurai came to his rescue, and he idolizes and reveres samurais and wants to be among them. Kakamucho is a town of cats and um, they're in need of help but they're not going to just accept anyone's help and the last person who they want help from is a dog. It's a town that has prejudices against dogs. They hate dogs. There's no dogs allowed in this town. So when Hank rolls in it's the last person they want to see and they don't give him a very warm welcome. Now, what he just said there where he walks into town, well, he rides in the town on a horse, and then he's greeted by a bunch of cats. We're going to have that clip for you. So this is what the scene is in a, in a nutshell. He's standing outside or, you know, sitting outside of the town on his horse, and he's talking to it going, well, here we are. Let's, let's go do this. You know, this might go okay. And he saunters in the town. Everybody's cheering, and they look at him going, you're a dog. And, well, yeah. And then they... Everybody's kind of wigs out and they start chasing him through town. So he's running down the street, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he hits like a pan and he falls off his horse and he wakes up and he's, you know, know, faced with all these cats and they start going, what's your story? Anyway, here's that scene. But before I get to the scene, I have an interview with the producer, Alex Schwartz. And she just talks a little bit more about Michael Sarah's delivery and how perfect his cadence, his whole voice fits this character to a T. Michael Sarah naturally brings a kind of an insecure charm to his performance. His voice, his particular hesitations, his, you know, little bit of a, of a hollow, higher register to his voice is vulnerable and, and, and naturally funny. Okay, here goes nothing. Welcoming committee. Maybe this won't be so bad. Okay, first day on the job. Make eye contact, smile. It's a dog! He's gonna ruin everything! Hi. Hi. Are you really a dog? Yes, I am a dog. Told you. Hmm. I didn't know dogs could be samurai. Well, they can, and I... Wait, why not? Your sword's on backwards? No, it's not, actually. Is it? Do you know how this is supposed to go? I know a few things about samuraiing. Fair enough. How about I deputize you as my official assistant? Bad dog! Don't talk to him! Did you touch him? Time to use our hand sanitizers. And just in case you didn't know, that looking at the end, their hand sanitizers are, they're just licking their paws. It's just, (laughs) in case that wasn't abundantly clear, it's just a kind of cute little scene. Now, this film has several directors. And the first one you can hear is Chris Bailey. And then after him, you can hear from the other director, Rob Minkoff. And they both just talk a little bit more about the story. 
It's about this dog who wants to become a samurai because of an incident that happened to him when he was a pup. So he comes to the land of Asia to learn to be a samurai, only to learn it's the land of cats who just soon kill him and let him become a samurai. And I love that because it's like my dog had no idea. You know, my dog loves cats. My dog sees cats. He runs into the room. He's like, oh, my God, a cat. Oh, my God, a cat. Hi, 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 hi. He wants to chase all the cats. But he, he wants to play. Cats are just back up, they hiss, they, and so that's, that's what Hank runs into. Hank the dog uh, is played by Michael Sarah, um, who d- does an incredible job bringing so much warmth and, you know, humanity to this dog character. Um, he, he's super, you know, gung-ho and earnest, you know, he's sort of up for any challenge, you know, he doesn't really realize his own limitations, uh, of which he has many, uh, so he struggles uh, a lot, uh, you know, in his quest to learn to become a samurai. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from a legend in Hollywood, acting, writing, you name it, pretty much a god in the whole world of entertainment. We're going to hear from Mel Brooks. He's credited as the character, the Shogun, and also one of the writers. But a little other interesting thing, when you look at who wrote this film, they have listed Richard Pryor. So my, I'm so curious by this, and they don't cover that anywhere in these interviews. So I'd love to find out, at what point did he have, like, was this an idea of his, like, long ago? Or how was he involved in this that he's given credit as a screenplay? Because, you know, you know how, how many um, movies sometimes they go through so many different versions. And what part and where, when did he have a, a, any kind of put it in this? Because Richard Pryor, can you have a better writer than him and Mel Brooks. I don't know if he could have anything more perfect in a comedy than those two. But I wonder what point and how much did he do or was it an idea of his? I don't know. But that's what intrigues me because these two gods of entertainment involved in this, but how much was prior? Eh, it'd be fun to find out. But here is Mel Brooks talking about the story. It's a town, certainly people buy felines, by cats, all kinds of crazy cats. And who comes in to save their bacon? Who is a samurai? A dog. So it's an, it, it, it's an amazing, to win them over takes a lot, but he does it. He does it. And that was, of course, the legend Mel Brooks. Now coming up next, first you're going to hear from producer Alex Schwartz, also just being totally in awe of Mel Brooks working on this film. And then after her, you can hear from one of the directors, Bob Minkoff, talking about the character that Mel Brooks plays. Immediately after that, we're going to play a clip. Now, in this clip, Mel Brooks' character, you know, the big dog himself, Mr. Shogun, he's holding court. There's a, he's in this giant temple, and a bunch of cats are sitting in the room. And he's just going over the notes of, there's some cat scratch fever happening here all around the country. And then he talks about, how they just apprehended the dog that just walked into the town. Mel Brooks, as the Shogun, has the only Mel Brooks can, as can deliver um, the, the timing and the comedic spin on lines that seem to have been invented for him and in some cases were invented by him. Um, he is, in my opinion, a national treasure, one of the great, privileges of this movie is being able to do something that starts with Mel Brooks. The Shogun, who's sort of, uh, you know, is, is the big boss of this world, is played by Mel Brooks. And of course, this, you know, this movie had to have Mel Brooks uh, in it. Not only is he a producer, but he's playing the Shogun. And of course, there's no business like Shogun business. Work, work, work. Let's see. What's on the agenda today? Cat fights on the Western Front? Cat scratch fever breaking out in the East? What's this? A sacred soil has been soiled by a dog who crossed the border? Probably a border collie. <laughs> Fortunately, he's been apprehended. Oh, well, you break the law, you pay the price. It's not personal. It's just business. And you know what they say? There's no business like Shogun business. Now, coming up from the red carpet, we're going to hear from producer Alex Schwartz. And she's going to talk a little bit more about Samuel L. Jackson's character, about he has to now train the dog in a different way than you train a cat because dogs have different senses and use it differently than a cat. So in that scene, Samuel L's character blindfolds the dog 
and he starts saying, what do you smell or what's this or what that? Because now he has to mold him into what he has. There's a whole section where he is being trained by Jimbo Samuel Jackson, who's his mentor, um, who's trying to train him to do all the things a cat does. And he's failing. And there's a moment where a light bulb goes off for Jimbo, where it's like, I shouldn't be teaching him to be a better cat. I should be teaching him to be a better dog. And so he uses all of the skills of a dog, his smell, his hearing, his, you know, his skills to become a great samurai. And I, I love that. What's that? The blindfold is to help you focus. Ah. Uh, now listen. Tell me what you hear. I hear you talking and moving. Good. I hear a bird. That's it. I smell flowers, actually. Dogs have a keen sense of smell and excellent hearing. I hear a dragonfly. I smell wood burning. I smell tea brewing. Hey, are you making nachos? Because someone just cut the cheese. Lesson over. Well done. Now, speaking of living legends, a guy who can do nothing wrong. I mean, really, look at, look at his career. Samuel L. Jackson can do drama. He can do action, comedy. You name it, he's done it, and he could do it. And he could just, without even skipping a beat, and he, every character is believable. You know, some people, they, they, you just look at them and you just think, oh, it's just that person again. But he can transform. And that's what sets him apart from just anybody playing, you know, certain roles. He can do anything and we all know it. And that's why none of us are bored with him. You know, because sometimes actors, they're in so many films. You're like, again, again, again. Not with L. Jackson. We will watch him in anything. And I, because he's so good. Now, we're going to hear from him next. He's going to talk about his character. And immediately after that, we're going to play a scene for the film. And in this scene, his character, Jimbo, they're trying to help somebody escape. So him and Hank go down this, you know, to this uh, dungeon. And he's like, it might take hours. It might take weeks. And in the distance, you hear Hank. He's over here. But it's just with Samuel L. Jackson... You can just hear his tone. He knows how to s deliver a line. He's just, he's a master and he does it so effortlessly. But I'll just, I'll just you know, let all that stuff play because his actions speak louder than anything I could say. Here he is. I play uh, Jimbo, uh, who's um, an experienced older samurai who has fallen from grace and is a. Uh, Actually, the fastest sword in the world. Okay, now this will be difficult and might take a while, so let's split up. I'll take the areas to the north and west. You go south and east. Let's try to be methodical about this. There could be thousands of cells here, and this could take hours, maybe days. He's right over here. Hey, Sumo, we're here to save you. Guess we should have stolen some keys. Stand back. Well, at least he tried. Doggy door. Michael Sarah is up next, and he's going to talk a little bit more about Samuel L. Jackson's character, and then how he is at the beginning, and then how that character evolves, but also how those two characters, how they evolve together, and they develop like a partnership of sorts. And then right after that, we're going to play a clip. And in this clip, you have... Jimbo and Hank, and they're surrounded by all these people who are trying to not have them, you know, escape this whole area. And they, they, they charge through and they try to escape. There's not a lot of dialogue in this, but you'll understand it. Just there's action going on where, like, when the bodies are flying all around, it sounds like bowling pins. That's because when they're plowing through the crowd, you know, everybody's just flying away and it sounds like bowling pins. Then they finally make it to the gate. Hank makes it underneath, the other people make it underneath, but Jimbo stands his ground, lets the gate shut, he turns around to face the crowd. Jimbo, played by Samuel L. Jackson, is um, sort of just over it, and he doesn't, he doesn't care to help the town, he's really um, kind of wallowing in his later years, and he's embittered, and he's just given up on what it means to be a samurai. 
So when Hank comes along, he actually, Hank ends up kind of sparking something in Jimbo that's been dead for a long time, and they help each other in that way. So there is sort of a teacher-student dynamic, but they're also um, kind of tough on each other like brothers, where Jimbo sort of uh, doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't make anything easy for Hank. Remember, fear is only in your mind. And a little bit in my kimono. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from Samuel L. Jackson, and he's going to talk about the society that they live in, how it's very close and they don't allow people in. But then after that, we're going to play a clip for you. And in that clip, that opinion, that stance is questioned by another character. Because as Jimbo is standing there, a character asks him, well, what about your oath as a samurai? Should you not help people? First, Samuel L., and then you'll see that scene. Or, I'm sorry, you'll hear that scene. It is a closed society, uh, represented by the fact that the majority, all of them are cats. And there's an outsider who's trying to become one of them. I mean, it's, it's physically impossible for him to be one of them, but there's always a way that you can embrace the qualities and values of another group of uh, individuals and become part of the whole in that way. Samurai Hank needs your help. Are you not bound by your samurai oath to help him? You mean the one that says I can't turn my back on those in need? Yeah, that one. No. Maybe. That's not what... Stupid oath. The cuteness is strong with this one. Producer Alex Schwartz is up next, and she's going to talk about just how great Samuel L. Jackson is. No matter what he does... He knows how to deliver a line. And after that, we're going to play a scene. And in that scene, Jimbo is training Hank. They're doing like, like not sword fighting. They have like poles or sticks. And he's just trying to train him and saying, you need to do this. And it's just one of those fun situations. And then like Hank hears like music in the background. Hey, this, this is a training montage. Can we just skip to the end where I'm better? <laughs> and then the great delivery by Samuel L. Jackson. No, this is my favorite part where you suffer. Anyway, here that is. Samuel Jackson playing Jimbo is, is he, he brings a sly gravitas to his performance and with his voice. His voice is very deep, but you can tell when he's, you know, having one over on you or, you know, he's got a sort of a wry cadence to his voice um, that, you know, is just undeniably Samuel Jackson. Defend yourself. But what am I supposed to do with a stick? Listen, one, it is not so important what you do as it is important that you do something. A warrior has cat-like reflexes. I'm not a cat, I'm a dog. Nobody's perfect. Wait, that music. Hey, this is the training montage, isn't it? Hey, can't we just skip ahead to the part where I'm good? No, this is my favorite part. The part where you suffer. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from two of the directors, Bob Minkoff and Chris Bailey. And they're going to talk a little bit more about the character Jimbo. And then after that, we're going to hear from Samuel L. Jackson. And he's going to talk about how... If we just learn to live together, it would be a much better world. And he also talks about when you watch this film, how you feel for Hank, because all the stuff he's going through. And he talks a little bit more just about their characters and how this show and the people, everything that's going on in there kind of has an incredible reflection on our world. But then right after that, we're going to play a featurette. Now, in this featurette, you're going to hear some interviews and you're going to hear scenes all kind of spliced in together. Because the studio, they sometimes send out these featurettes that they cover one certain topic. And this featurette covers Hank and Jimbo in their relationship. In the inner splice, you're going to hear little snippets of maybe interviews we've already played 
or at least parts of those interviews. It just gives you a general idea of those two characters and what what they're trying to you know portray. Jimbo is a uh, is a is a is a fallen samurai. Jimbo is actually played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, uh, but Jimbo is, he, you know, he's had a terrible tragedy in, in his life, which has forced him kind of into early retirement, and he's living as a hermit. So uh, he's kind of given up on the on the world and, you know, turned his back on everything because he's a little jaded, a little cynical. Jimbo's a tragic character. You know, Hank comes in with, with all this naive enthusiasm, and he has his head handed to him, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm in so you know, over my head. And his only salvation or only his only hope is this burned-out old you know, samurai, you know, Jimbo, who really has no interest in helping him. So I think the fact that Jimbo helps Tank, you know, become the samurai he wants to be, and in doing that, Jimbo sort of, uh, you know, rediscovers the young, honorable samurai within him, I mean, that's that's very charming. It's kind of like, you know, figuring out that there are no differences, you know, that all we got to do is figure out a way to live and, and you know, if everybody treats everybody the way they want to be treated, you pretty much got it going. You either feel for uh, Hank while he's there being trying trying to achieve his goal, uh, and you see a person that has a, you know, pardon the pun, dogged determination to do what he's uh, trying to do, and you feel for him, and there are cats that are on his side, that are willing to help him and are kindly and it it just works in a way that allows you to see these animals living in this particular world upright in a way that we don't normally see them but accepting that they are who they are and they're a mirror of what our world is and how we can become better people by understanding what this story is about and how we reject or accept people in a certain way. Huh? I'm Hank, and I'm the new samurai. New samurai, huh? <laughs> Hank is a dog. In a world of dog-hating cats. What the mother-father cockaspaniel's going on here? <laughs> Jimbo, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Becomes Hank's teacher. Don't forget to land on your feet. The movie is pretty wacky and pretty wild. Oh. And a lot of fun. It's Hank and Jimbo. We're here to save you. It was a blast to make this movie. <laughs> Lesson over. Well done. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from producer Alex Schwartz. And she's going to talk about the extremely talented Ricky Gervais. And she talks about how he just nails these characters. But I wanted to say one thing. He has such a library of movies, TV shows that he's done. And he does great in every one. But one that might be overlooked of lately, but is stupendous. One, It's just a powerful show. Check out Afterlife. That's Afterlife. It is an incredible series. Give it a shot if, if you ever want to, but he nails it. What we're going to do next is we're going to play a scene. Now, in this scene, his character is looking down on the city that he doesn't want there. But <laughs> you know when you're like in a skyscraper and you look down and you have to put quarters in a machine to look at it? Well, he has his little thug next to him, keep putting quarters inside of it so he can keep looking at it. And he keeps telling him, I just want them gone. Well, get rid of the samurai. Just, you know, I want this view. Ricky Gervais, the incomparable. You know, it's an interesting thing because he has the ability to to sort of have this nasally kind of whine to his voice that, that completely suits a kind of a supercilious and, and um, narcissistic villain, which he plays so incredibly well. And what is so interesting is because I feel like I'm so used to him playing that kind of a character um, and being somewhat insufferable and and unkind and all of these things is that he is the nicest person. He is just an easygoing, charming, friendly, warm person. Uh, And boy, he can flip that switch and, you know, just become like a rapier. 
The only thing left to solve is our little problem. Kakamuchu? Precisely. What do you do when you're a landlord and you have tenants you really hate? You evict them. But the town's been there for thousands of years. I give you an order and you give me facts. Really? The only fact I'm interested in is that that hairball of a town is ruining my magnificent view. We've got to wipe them off a map in order to make this palace absolutely perfect. But what about the samurai that's there to protect them? Just get rid of their samurai. The frady cats will follow. We're going to hear next from the director, Bob Minkoff. And he's going to talk about the villain character that Gervais plays. And then we're going to play a scene for you. Now, in this scene, we have that character walking around with his, you know, his thug saying, I'm going to be elected this new super duper power guy. And I have a plan. I'll, he lists all the things that he has planned. And he walks up to the Super Bowl. And then when you when they have the wide shot, it is a giant toilet. So hence, Super Bowl. Here it is. Ikachu is an incredible villain uh, played by the inimitable Ricky Gervais. Uh, and if you could imagine Ricky Gervais as a cat... It, it would be Ikachu because he he's just as snide and as sarcastic as uh, as Ricky Gervais is. How's everything coming along? The Shogun is coming to visit in one week. Everyone knows he's trying to decide who his successor will be, and if I have anything to do with it, it'll be me. I've spared no expense making this the grandest palace in the land. Imported mice to chase, fine couches to ruin, and the crown jewel of the palace. My state-of-the-art bathroom. Behold, the future. I call it the Super Bowl. Because that's what it is. A Super Bowl. Impressive. Now, from the red carpet, we're going to hear from Kathy Shim, who plays Little Mama. And she talks about her character and kind of like the themes of this movie, of not, you know, judging the book by its cover. And then immediately after that, we're going to play a clip. Now, in that scene, Little Mama walks up in front of all her people. They're all gathered around, and she gives a speech just telling them, this is what's going on. We have an obligation. So I play a character named Little Mama. Uh, she is a fierce, brave, probably the oldest resident of Kakamucho. She's probably like 100 years old in cat years. She's our oldest res- resident, so she's also the most reticent to change because change is scary. It's different. Um, but she soon learns through the urging of Emiko and the persistence of Hank who the true samurai is and that, you know, differences are only furdy not to judge a book by its cover, and that at its heart, that Hank has the true heart of a samurai, and what he wants is the same as the citizens of Kakamucho, safety and peace in their village. Uh, And so the golden rule of this movie is never judge a book by its cover. Acceptance is the golden theme behind it. To see past our differences and to realize that the similarities within are the things that bond us and create community. And it's great. It's so funny. There's so many jokes. The cast is stellar. It's beyond. I mean, it's, guys, this cast is just, right? I know these events look dire, but we must stand on our own four legs and fight. This is our home. It is the sacred place where our kittens were born and where we will one day join our ancestors in a shoebox buried behind the garage. (coughs) (coughs) Dr. Katz, you have something to say? No, I just got a hairball. (coughs) Now coming up next, we're going to hear from Michael Sarah, and he's going to be talking about the character Emika. And then immediately after that, the actress from the red carpet who plays Emika talks about her character, and then immediately after that, we're going to play a featurette. Remember how that featurette has interviews, scenes, and clips from the movie that the studio sends out to us? That featurette talks about that character. Emiko, who's a young cat in the village, basically has a quality of total fearlessness that uh, no other character in the movie really has. It's the thing that makes her the most qualified to be an actual samurai. She puts... uh, the safety of others above her own her own self. 
My name is Kylie Kuyoka and my character is Emiko. She is an impossibly adorable cat and even though she's small and little, um, she's so fearless and powerful and um, despite that um, all the cats in her town may not take her seriously, she will never back down from that kind of challenge and um, she uses all her skills, charms and even her flaws to fight the battle. She has a super strong willingness and determination to help Hank save the village. She has the spirit of a true samurai. Greetings, human people. I am Emiko. I know a few things about samurai. The cuteness is strong with this one. We, the cats and kittens of Earth, are taking over. Bold plan. You will do our bidding. Clean up after us, pamper us. Oh, me likey. And feed us. Hey, are you making nachos? Because someone just cut the cheese. <gasps> No, if this sounds like nothing new, it's because we've always been in charge. Impressive. Do not resist. Our cuteness can be deadly. Ready to go, let me go! Mom, you're embarrassing me. This movie is intended for people of all ages, from little kids to adults, and a whole family can enjoy and laugh out loud together at the theater. Um, it's about Hank's journey from being an outcast to a town hero in the cat village, and it's something that people can somewhat relate to because, like Hank, you may not feel like you belong to or accepted in the community. And um, this message is also about following your heart at all costs and finding out who you are. This message also allows um, other children like me to dream bigger, um, feel welcomed in the space and again embrace who you are we're going to hear next from samuel l jackson and he's just going to talk about how wacky and fun this movie is and how much he enjoys it and then right after that we're going to play a clip and again there's not a lot of dialogue in this scene but what's going on is this hank is fighting this giant cat <laughs> and at one point you know hank gets thrown up into this little this you know thing in the ceiling and then boop pop you know pops in jimbo you know, you gotta, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, and then the fight continues, and then at one point near the end of the scene, the giant cat, you know, falls on Hank, and he gets stuck right in the crack in his bottom, and then he, he pulls him out and roar, he yells, you know, lets out a big yell, and then you see Jimbo just kind of put his hand on his forehead or is on his eyes and say, you know, just shake his head. Anyway, check it out. Pretty wacky and pretty wild, and um, and 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 a lot of fun visually. I like what all the characters look like. Uh, it's a very exotic world. I'm sure. I'm sure people who love cats. I mean, that's such a that's such a huge cat army online. I'm sure people that love cats are gonna, you know, go gaga over this thing. He has told you his weakness. Remember, you defeat strength with smart. Now get back out there. Well, once you heard right there that Michael Sarah's character is just getting his butt handed to him, for lack of a better word, up next we're going to hear from him. And he's going to talk about how, what a joy it was to work with Samuel L. Jackson. And he only had like one session with him, but just seeing how he works and how much that impressed him. This is just a great interview, having, hearing one actor talk about another and just how much they admire them. I think we got an amazing cast in this movie. And, and it's yeah, as I started learning about who was going to be doing the movie, it just got more and more exciting to me. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have one recording session with Samuel L. Jackson, you know, before the whole world shut down and people were not recording in the same room together for a long time. But, um, yeah, that was a pleasure, getting to, to work with him and meet him. Getting to record with Samuel L. Jackson was fascinating and uh, very exciting and entertaining. I love the way he works. I mean, he's just been doing it for so long. He's just, like... A total ninja at it, you know. He just can can get something, get get right to the heart of a thing so fast, and knows exactly how to do it. And he's just such a professional. It's incredible to watch. It's a person who's just 
knows what they're doing so inside out that they're in total control seemingly at every moment. It was impressive. Up next, we have a great interview with the director, Rob Minkoff. And he's going to talk about what Michael Sarah he had to do to make this happen. So Michael Sarah was a trooper. He had just moved into a New York apartment, which had no furniture, no rugs, no curtains, only brick walls, which is pretty much the worst surface you could possibly imagine for a recording studio. And he stood in his living room and it was, you know, it was terrible. There was echoes. Uh, it was just not the right kind of environment for recording. Uh, and so the best he could do was to get a blanket or perhaps it was a towel and put it over his head. Uh, and he recorded the whole session that way. And I mean, come on, talk about being a trooper. We're going to hear next from Michael Sarah. And he's going to talk about seeing this in a theater, especially with his niece and nephew. I can't wait to see this movie in a theater, especially with a bunch of kids. I mean, that's the thing I really can't wait for, especially my niece and nephew, who are like the perfect age for it. Um, I mean, it's going to be so much fun, not only because of how what a shared experience it will be and how funny it is and how sweet it will be to see this movie with this beautiful message in a room full of people, but it's also, yeah, it's just so immersive, the world, and so expansive and... Um, it just takes you to another place, which is what you want when you go see a movie in the theater, is just be transported somewhere. So I really can't wait for that. The Physical Ride is just a fun adventure movie with a lot of laughs. I think that's going to be the basic shared experience of an audience watching this movie, is it's going to be a great time. And um, yeah, the takeaway, I think, is a happy emotional takeaway, because you just feel like, you know, we all need to just celebrate and support each other and, um, you know, and embrace each other. Now, from the red carpet, we're going to hear from director Rob Minkoff, and he's going to talk about the challenges of making this film when everything got shut down, because they all had to meet on the computer. It's just, you know, interesting hear, you know, hearing him talk about that. The studio that made it was in Montreal, and I traveled to Montreal a couple of times right before the shutdown, and after the shutdown, there was no in and outs. And the studio where everybody worked shut down and everyone had to go home. And so every single day we would get together on Zoom, which is, you know, became kind of normal for everybody. And every all the artists would work at home on their computers at home. And I worked at home and we all worked together. But it was really that experience. Um, and it worked out incredibly well. Now, when asked what drew him to this project, this what director Rob Minkoff said. So the thing that drew me to Pause of Fury was a chance to tell a story, which is a fable about a dog who has to become a samurai in a world of cats. And of course, because he's a dog, they hate him. So he's got a lot to overcome. And I think telling that story in animation was actually the perfect medium to do it. Uh, the thing I'm most excited for audiences to see are the characters that we're, we're launching in this film. These are characters that have never been seen before. Hank the dog, played by Michael Sarah, Jimbo, played by Samuel L. Jackson, Ikachu, played by Ricky Gervais, and so many other incredible actors playing wonderful new characters for audiences to meet and to fall in love with. Now, when asked what are the messages to this film, we're first going to hear from Alex Schwartz, the producer, Rob Minkoff, the director, and Michael Sarah. Really, that message of tolerance is ultimately what it is about. It is, you know, a, just a, a way for us all to remember that different is good. I think the message that I most hope audiences take away from the film is, is it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, you, you know, you can overcome those differences and find a way to fit in. And the characters that are rejecting you because of what you look like on the outside uh, can learn a lesson that what's important is what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. Uh, I think that there's there's a lot of kind of messages to take from the movie. I wouldn't kind of boil it down to one, but I mean, there's there's a very strong message that you you know you shouldn't you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. You shouldn't you know prejudge someone or think that you know who somebody is just because of how they look, um, and because people are much more than that and are full of surprises. I think that's kind of and that we can all live in harmony, you know, in spite of our differences. I think those are big takeaways for me. And that's one of the great things about these kind of movies, animated movies. They can have a great message and they're not boring the, the, the viewer. The adults aren't, you know, falling asleep during it. And the kids are still enjoying the story. Because, yes, we all are all different. But that doesn't mean we have to treat each other differently. You know, give everybody a fair shot. You know, because we've all experienced that that emotion or that feeling where you walk into a situation and they have this preconceived no notion of you going, they can't handle it, they can't do this. 
and then you can or they can. And that's just a, it's just a fun, simple message telling everybody, give everybody a shot. Maybe they can't do it, but maybe they can give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, up next, we're doing something that's just kind of fun. The company, they sent me this little featurette, for lack of a better word, where Michael Sarah is um, asked questions, is this a real cat or not? So he just names off a cat, and he tries to say, is it a real name of a cat or not? Here it is. It's kind of fun. Check it out. Abyssinian. That's got to be real. Hey. What if I ace this? Chartreuse, I don't think is a cat. It is a cat. Maybe I should start out as a mall samurai. Stamatina. I'll say real. Fake. That's a shame. Kinkalau? That's going to be real, I think. I hope you succeed in having fun. Manx? I think that's not real. It is real, though. If that ever happens again, let me die. I far did. That obviously is real. Boiger? I'll say it's real. Hater is fake. Somebody made that up. Yeah. That was not bad. You wanted to be a samurai. Fun, isn't it? Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, please feel free, cinemajudge at hotmail.com, because I can't grow if I don't know. Let me know if I'm doing this right, or you want me to do more of this, or more of that, or less, or whatever it is, because I love having feedback, and that's why, I, that's why the show is here, is so you could tell me what I could do to make the show better. Because that's all I want. You guys to keep coming back and having fun. Like I always say, this is our movie oasis. It's a crazy world out there. Let us just talk about movies and have fun and escape. Even if you just like like the show, let me know. And I won't contact you unless you want me to. I won't be sending you aimless emails or anything like that. Now, if you'd be interested in watching the TV version of this, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage. I'm going to give you two webpages here just in case one works or one doesn't. One of them is blm is in Bloomington dot mn backward slash btv dash shows. Or there's a the little shorter one, bit dot ly backward slash cinema judge. And when you go there, there should be a whole bunch of shows there on demand. And one other thing, I rarely mention this. I think I mentioned it once before because I'm not really computer savvy. So that's the reason why I do have a couple Facebook pages and groups for the, for Cinema Judge podcast slash show. But if you're so inclined, I do have a Facebook page and group if you'd be interested in joining up Cinema Judge podcast slash TV show. But now it's my favorite part of the show where I thank you, all of you who listened to the last episode. I can only kind of touch the tip of the iceberg, but I just wanted to thank you. And you might say, Hey, I listened to a, a older episode or this episode from whether it be three weeks ago, a month ago, or two years from, you know, ago, and you didn't mention me. It's just when I do my shout outs, I just mention the week before because there's no way to keep track of all the other shows and who, you know, knew, listened to it. But don't think for one second I don't appreciate it. Whenever I see one from the back catalog somebody listened to, I'm like, yes, thank you so much. It just makes my day. So that's the reason I only thank from the previous week. But I do notice, and it makes my day just explode. I love it. So to every one of you who take time out of your life to listen to this show around the world, I hope my voice finds you well. And I love it when you tell me how you listen to this show. Because here I am, sitting in the basement all by myself, talking to myself. But I don't know when you're listening to this. It could be the day of, maybe you know, four months from now, a year from now. But I just know it's so fun in my head going, you could be driving to work, you could be sitting at work, you could be sitting at home, doing the laundry, just watching TV, having it in the background. There's so many ways that people listen to this show. People who are taking long road trips, they download a ton of episodes and they just play them through. Or they just hit play and just keep going. And it's just wonderful when you guys tell me, man, there's one night I was, I couldn't get to sleep. I put on your show, you know, and it helped you sleep. I'll take that as a compliment, mind you, because if you're listening to the show and it helps you sleep, that is great. Because, you know, I used to do that growing up, you know, not with podcasts because they weren't around yet, 
you know, I played music all night and it's just something in the background that just kind of eases you away. So to every one of you, whether you're listening it by yourself, with your group, daytime, nighttime, whatever season it is, I truly I tip, I tip my cap to you and I, it just makes my day. So this is for you. All my listeners from the United States, United Kingdom, Aruba, Denmark, Germany, Mexico, France, Italy, Finland. Thank you so much for listening. Bloomington, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Tampa, Florida, Pasadena, California, Littleton, Colorado, Salisbury, North Carolina, Holyoke, Mass, Chaska, Minnesota, Beckingham, is it Bromley? Invergrove Heights, Minnesota, Abeville, Louisiana. Did I say that right, Louisiana? Thanks so much for listening. Santa Cruz, Aruba, Copenhagen, Frankfurt am Main, Hess. To every one of you that I just mentioned in the ones that I didn't, thanks for tuning in to here. I know your lives are busy, and I'm so grateful that you do. Now, this week's bourbon shout-out goes out to the incredible crew at the Purple Mattress Factory or Purple Store at the Mall of America. They are knowledgeable, informative, kind, and absolutely zero pressure. Because I've been, you know, daydreaming about maybe getting a new a new bed. Because I'm like, ah, you know, why not give it a shot? I just went there just to check it out. You know, I didn't even buy anything. Because it's a big decision. And they were pressure-free. So to all you hard workers at the Purple Store, you are awesome. Ja-mar-e, did I say that, did I say that right? Jamari, Sydney, and Don. You guys kicked butt. And I, you know, one day when I go back, I hope to see you then. But man, the ladies at MOA Purple Store, top notch. So this is for you. Cheers. And now it's the music section. As most of you know, this is the TV version. So when I'm making the TV version of this, I'm cranking the tunes. And that's just my, it's my happy place. And this week I didn't pick any particular band when I was making this particular episode. What I did was I just had my Amazon Unlimited playing in the background and I just had one of my favorites playing or I just had my, what do they call them, folders or your your own little list that you can make up. I just put it on, I think it was the ballad section and that lasts for hours. So I just clicked on that and away I rode. And that's what I listened to when I was making the TV version, which becomes the podcast version. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you into the movies. So till next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. <laughs>